Extra Lambo. Coming to you live from the palatial palace of the South Hill Podcasting Studios, Spokane, Washington. I am your host, Kevin Lammerding. Yep. Awesome show today. Awesome show today. We have comedian, improviser, funny man, traveler, uh, Michael Gladsmeyer is is our guest today. Um, had a great conversation with him about life on the road and, and the comparisons as, of such uh, comics, comedians, comedy acts of today and kind of how they've had to change things up a little bit with the, the sensitivity of people that are out there anymore. And kind of how you got to work, work, uh, work your angles a little bit differently than than you used to be able to in the past. So, um, great show. He's got a couple things going on. Uh, MichaelGladsmeyer.com. Get on there for his show dates, as well as his travel blog. He's he's working on a couple different projects, as well as MGT, and he will explain that in the podcast itself. So, uh, promoting, what do we got coming up here? Um, we will be, uh, new one pack, two pack baseball card podcast coming out Saturday morning. So tune into that. Um, it's on Spotify, Google podcast, Apple podcast, uh, great show coming up. Um, the Hotcast One radio podcast has a couple other shows coming up. Uh, they come out Wednesday mornings, so be looking for those. we got some awesome guests coming up for that. I do not want to give it away right now, so the next one will be a surprise for you for sure. Um, we've got baseball coming up. We've got uh, – what else we got coming up? We've got uh, – comedy show coming up on saturday um josh wolf and if you don't know who he is look him up on the youtubes he is a hilarious hilarious funny guy he'll be at the spokane comedy club and you will enjoy the act um look him up there's still some tickets available i believe so uh head on down to spokane comedy club get your ticket there or get online um I believe it is joshwolf.com. You can get your tickets there or whatever the Spokane Comedy Club uses for tickets. Um, Deese has a couple uh, shows coming up as well. Uh, DeeseComedy.com. Look at his stuff. Um, that's how uh, Michael and I kind of got, uh, got together for my 40th birthday and was through Deese. So, um, shout out to Deese. Uh, we w- did a went to a comedy show of his um, uh, drink and debate, and that was hilarious. That was a lot of fun. Um, I'm gonna have two more podcasts coming up uh, from that debate as well. So I'm looking really looking forward to that. Uh, be recording again on Monday for for one of those shows. So looking forward to that one coming up. Um, again, download the show. Uh, hit that follow button, that subscribe button on the platform at which at which you listen to. Hit that download button, and that allows us to track your guys's listens a lot better than what we were doing before. So, um, download the show, listen to it, and then all you got to do is delete it. It's all free. So, thank you for your for your listens. And without further ado, I give you Michael Gladsmeyer. Hey, what's up? Not much. Busy day at work and <clears throat> early start. And now uh try to throw a microwave hot dog down the gullet before uh before talking to you. <laughs> that sounds like a really sad life right there. It's, it's uh you know, you try to make the most out of it that you can. Yeah, I'm making dinner. What's for dinner? I'm gonna microwave me a hot dog. Yeah, microwave a hot dog and hopefully there's enough ketchup in the bottle. 
yeah, <laughs> is that is that how you do? You don't put it in a bun. You're just like pouring the ketchup on top of the hot dog. That's that's it. That that was the quick thirty second meal to go right there. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. You gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Right? How, how's it going over there? You're in Georgia, right? Right now I'm in Florida, so I just got I got back from Mexico a couple days ago. I'm in Florida for the week, and then I'm in Georgia for a couple months before I hit the road again. Gotcha. You're oh. like a you're like a an indie wrestler then going from territory to territory and picking your spots. Yeah, man, we it's just been it's been a crazy year. We just we just decided like why, why do we need a place to live if we're on the road most of the time? So we just said, you know, we're going to give up our place and do whatever we want. And who is who is we? Oh, my my wife my wife my wife and I. Uh, so my wife, Tasha, we were traveling cause we were kind of like, we're starting a travel blog kind of thing. Cause I'm on the road full time for comedy already. And we teach improv together. So we're like, Hey, let's give up our apartment a couple years ago and just go on the road full time when we're not doing comedy or teaching improv. We'll just go visit places and use it for the travel blog and stuff. Well, that all happened when we decided last year to go to China. And then when we were in China, the pandemic hit and everything after that just kind of like was so wonky. So for the entire year, we actually just started releasing our travel vlog last week. But for the entire year, we didn't really release anything. You know, Was there I mean, any problems with you being in China? Like, well, we were, so we were, I mean, when we were there for the first two weeks, everything was fine. We didn't film much because we we're like, we're going to be here for a month and a half we'll just check out the neighborhood and we did get a couple films like man she was so angry with me and what my wife because we, when we were there we did get a couple films i was like hey let's not film much because we're filming a couple of weeks we're here all month and then covid hit while we were there and so we just had to stay inside you're not allowed to go out you're not allowed to be filming stuff there's people in outfits walking down the street spraying the streets with chlorine and stuff so they were just kind of like, yeah, you have to, you have to stay inside. You can't do nothing. And then when I came back to the U.S., quarantined for a couple of weeks. We we're in Vegas, L.A. Where else were you? We're at a couple different places. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll film all this stuff too. This will give us. We'll talk about. And then I had my uh, film, my USB thing in the car, and it was stolen. And I didn't download a lot of the stuff to Dropbox. I only had some of that. So I still got some stuff in Vegas and LA, but then I ended up losing half the film and I did have another hard drive with that. And that one got like a virus or something. I don't know what happened. All the videos just got wiped and I took it into this tech guy and they're like, yeah, man, no saving this. So <laughs> what should have been like 14 videos to 15 videos ended up becoming eight videos that don't really have a beginning or ending. They're just partway through. So, now we're like, hey, why don't we, I released one last week, it wasn't best, but now we're like, hey, how about we release these next ones, and we'll kind of discuss our experience. We'll kind of do it like 90 Day Fiance or some of these reality shows where we talk and go back and forth between footage. There you go. Try to regain some, yeah, some you know, aspect of what the initial intent was of the videos. Oh, yeah. I mean, for the longest time, we thought about events like just not doing it at all. But then we're like, you know what? We're going to be traveling a lot this year still. So let's just do it. But part of us didn't want to do it for a little bit. Cause it was, I mean, it was just, it's been a crazy year for all of us. It's one of those years where it's hard to complain because, you know, I feel like we all just got a bunch of crap happening all at the same time. Yeah. We're kind of all, all in it together. That's for sure. And, you know, making the best of it, yeah. trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, Washington State, where I'm at, and here in Spokane, uh, we were just told that middle of June is when Mr. Inslee is supposed to allow us to go into 100% open. So hopefully that happens. Hopefully something, you know, in air quotes doesn't come up and, and push us back another two weeks or a month. But we're, we're looking for the middle of June right now to be completely opened up. I hope, man, because it is so weird. You know, in some places you go to perform comedy and they're like, 
it's sold out show, uh, you know, it's a 200 person room and a sold out show, but a sold out show is still only like 20 people. And when it's spread out between a room that usually fits 200 people, that it's weird. <laughs> it's very weird. And the internet shows, those do not, those don't work out, man. Comedy on the internet, just, I, I hate it so much. Yeah, you it's lose like a, that, that connection with the crowd. Yeah, you lose that. Well, that's crazy. So, yeah, man, I'm happy that this one open back up. That'll be great for comedy. Not only that, I mean, it, like, to me, if they open up and because people are vaccinated, great. I mean, I don't care about the mask thing. I don't care about, like, when we were in Mexico, we were just, got back from Mexico, they took temperatures of everybody who went into stores. I don't care about that. Like, great. Let us go out. Let us do our things because we were able to do a bunch of stuff over in Mexico still. I'm okay with taking a temperature before going in the store. It actually makes me feel better because, you know, people, kids will be puking and throwing up, same with them, and they'll walk into a store throwing up and puking. And like, so, you know, I, I just, I just want to be able to go back out and do my career and perform again. That's the main thing. What have you been, I, I where have you been working at mostly this last year, just in LA, Atlanta, you know, did you work at all when you were in Mexico? Um, yeah, I mean, I do a bunch of freelance work, so I create personalized songs for people. Like right now I'm trying to create a couple different businesses. And so we, I work on my computer a lot. I didn't do much comedy. I probably only did. Now I probably did like a total of 18 to 20 shows. And that's very little. Normally I'm used to doing like four shows, five shows a week. And I went to doing only 20 shows almost this entire year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but, you know, people, I think, need to look at the positive of COVID. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, it's hard to look at positive, but like sometimes you got to think of like the way I look at it is I can't let this just go, okay, comedy's over. I'm done. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I got to kind of like, okay, well, what can I do? Some businesses are making more money now than they were before COVID because it gave them more ideas and different ideas to sell their product. And now when COVID, uh, you know, when the, it gets lifted and we're able to go out and do stuff, now they're going to have two ways of selling their product that they weren't having before. They're going to be able to do it the original way plus this new way and make more money than they were. So I felt like this really helped people come up with ideas too i mean so i i i think that's pretty cool it gave me a business i i run a business called improvised gifts now that i just started where we create personalized songs for like birthdays weddings anniversaries if you have a friend you hate and you want to get them a song created to let them know how much you hate them we'll do that <laughs> so so I, I, you know, I, that all came to me because of COVID. I was like, well, how can I still perform and do something fun without, you know, being on stage? And, and you and I first met for my 40th birthday. Um, you came and, and performed for my birthday. You had your guitar with you. And what you just said about the improvised gifts, I think that whole um, skit that you did or that whole you know, show that you did. I think that was, everything was off the top of your head. You worked in, uh, you know, a good looking friend of mine, Brian, his name was Aquaman is what you were calling him. Cause he does deep sea diving. And you just made this entire song about kind of just everybody in the room. It was, it was, it was so funny. It was hilarious. Yeah. That was the one at the casino, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was so, so I was honestly, I was so weary about doing it because sometimes people will hire you for gigs. Like I've done a show for a group of soccer moms before me and Dee has. And so like sometimes Dee's messaged me. I don't know how you guys got his contact information, but he said, Hey, uh, I, wait, did you contact me or you contacted me? I, right? I got Dee's. Yeah. 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 And he, then he brought me in. He, he told me, he's like, man, we're going to do this birthday party at the casino. At, and it's probably, I was like, this won't be a shit show, man. This is one of this one stuff so bad. Sometimes when people hire you for gigs like that, nobody really wants to listen or nobody cares. People are usually like, 
shouting out like saying about Bart, you know, like um, <laughs> stuff. And then when I got there, everybody was there and like, yeah, man, we're ready to listen to comedy. And I was like, yep. this is nice. This is nice. Yeah, I was this hoping, wasn't scary at all. Hoping for, you know, about 20 more people that were supposed to show up and, you know, everybody says that they'll be there and then not show up or they showed up later, but but no, we had a great crowd, and they were all focused on bo- the both of you doing your thing, and it was it was a great night. It was a great fortieth birthday for me. Yeah, I forgot. I mean, and did I think about what you did for a living or anything? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I, we we talked about my girlfriend, not my wife. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I forgot. I I, I honestly I forget the song you know an hour later that's what makes me be able to improv so well is i i don't ever have anything on my brain because when you just don't think you don't know anything it gives you the opportunity to make up anything anything exists when nothing actually exists and you just forget everything around you then it allows you to create whatever you want and that allowed me to create a love song to your aquaman friend so (laughs) no He still blushes to this day about that. Yeah. I'm waiting for the day where I actually. How, uh, how, how long have you been doing this improv? And is that kind of what got you into comedy? Cause I think you're funny by nature. So they, did they kind of just both of them come together at one point or was it something that you worked on for a while? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the short story is I I think, uh, my man, my, it, it's so hard to tell because I don't really know where the comedy part. Like I've always enjoyed comedy, but I started playing guitar and learning music when I was like eight years old, and my father would try to teach me music, and I never wanted to learn music. I always had troubles like paying attention, and like I got bored very easily in life that's what caused me like I grew up being in special ed I talked about it in my stand-up and I had trouble focusing in school and doing all that stuff and you know I just ended up enjoying making up songs on my own because I didn't feel like I had to really learn much to do that I just felt like I could play around and goof off and I never thought that was becoming a skill that helps me get paid and make money performing and you know I started performing improv in high school when I, I didn't even know what I was doing so as a kid, I would just make up these songs. I didn't even know what improv was. And then when I got to high school, people heard me doing that and was like, you need to join the improv team. And then after I joined the improv team after high school, when I turned 21, I was like, where can I take this? And somebody's like, you need to go to the comedy club. I was like, okay, I got to write jokes and write original music. I was like, I can't just do my improv on stage. You can't do that. I have to write jokes. I'm going to a comedy club. I got on stage. I was so nervous that I got up there and said, hey, my name's Michael Glatzmeyer, forgot all my jokes, and I walked right off stage. <laughs> so that was like, uh, that was the beginning of it. And then, you know, one night I forgot what I was doing. I started making up a song on the spot on stage, and people started laughing. And then I realized, oh, wait, what I do, I can do comedy clubs. This works in all settings. So I started to improv all the time and then I started writing jokes at work because I could try out a joke between my improv song and if it didn't work then I just went and started singing more and then you've got your your built-in critic with your wife I guess or built-in uh I don't know audience that'll give you the truth about a joke with her Oh, well, yeah, and she, I mean, we met, me and her met through improv, so she can be very judgmental with the performance, too. She's good at looking at a performance and going, just wasn't it tonight, Michael. That wasn't good. I was like, hey, you know what? You can uh, not not be honest sometimes. You know, you can just you can just lie sometimes. I'm okay with that. You don't have to tell me what I do bad. Because <laughs> I, I, I know, I, I also know when I do bad. <laughs> yeah growing up Man, do you, the... so do you perform at all what's that what? oh i said do you perform at all i don't um i'm i'm funny but i'm not dumb funny you know i can i can come up with a one-liner and i can you know just be funny around my friends but 
I think I'd do the same thing. If I ever got in front of, of a group of people, I would be like, oh, I forgot what I was going to say, and then walk right off. Yeah, yeah. Hard, man. Uh, Hard. I, I'm like George Costanza yeah. on, on Seinfeld, where he's good for one joke. And once he hits that joke, <laughs> he just taps out, and he, he leaves the room at, right at that, because that's the what they're going to remember. <laughs> yeah, it won't, it won't. They won't remember much anything else. What did you grow up watching? Speaking of Seinfeld, where, where do you draw your, you know, your comedy inspiration from? My brother's fighting. Honestly, like we, we grew up dirt poor. Here's how crazy my family is. Phil likes this. Phil, my friend Phil, who's comic, calls this my origin story, like my Batman story. Because when I was a kid and I started playing guitar and making up songs, my brother was such a sketchy dude that he's like, man, Michael's really good at this. I'm going to take him downtown. I'm going to have him busk, which if somebody says to me, they don't know what busking is. You play music for money. So I'm like this nine, 10 year old playing music in downtown Spokane with all these like trucks walking by me, all this playing money and people are putting money in my case and everything. And I'm not kidding. People would gather like, make a song about my wife, make a song about this person, do this, do that, and tell me what to do. They put money. We'd end the night with like a hundred to two hundred bucks. My brother would give me like five to ten bucks, and I thought I was like, yeah, man, I'm gonna get me some candy. I'm gonna get soda. I was so stoked, not realizing like, oh, he's taking like ninety percent of the profit. So you know, a lot of the material I write, I didn't grow up with. A bunch of TV. I don't. We had like one TV for most of my childhood, and I would just like most of it is honestly came from not having TV. I think if I had TV, I would be a worse writer than I am because I'm not funny. I tell people that all the time. I'm not funny. I'm good at structuring. I'm good at writing. I'm good at improvising. But that came from not being sat in front of a TV. I had to watch the people around me. I had to critique and be like, oh, that's weird. That, that He's doing that. Like one time my brother got a tattoo on his arm and the reason why was so he couldn't donate plasma, which he thought would force him to get a job. Like that, that kind of crazy stuff, seeing that makes you go, hmm, <laughs> that would be hilarious to talk about on stage. Who the hell does that? You know what else you could have done? You could have just left the house and applied for jobs. it's just just watching that's where everyday comedy comes from I feel like people who are the worst at writing jokes is the people who think they have jokes they're the people who we call them street jokes in comedy because people come up to me after the show I'm like I've got a joke for you here's a joke be like during your set you should be like I'm not gay but my boyfriend's gay I've had I've had like nine or ten people say that to me after a show and I'm just like yeah that's not a written joke that's something you just are, are saying you know it's, it's it's not it's not about me comedy comedy should be a personal thing it should be about you the best comics Richard Pryor Robin Williams um, Mitch Hedgeberg you know they're taking experiences from their life but those, those are people I love by the way right there Robin Williams Mitch Hedgeberg Richard Pryor, Mike Perpigua, John Mulaney, because they write. They're just writing skills and abilities. Are they, were, they were funny just being themselves. I mean, even Robin Williams, he would. you could just carry on a conversation, uh, not me personally, but you could see him just carrying on a conversation, and, and you could just see the wheels just kind of turning of, about jokes or you know whatever situation that they were in of how he can make that into a funny moment. That's that's what I notice most about Robin Williams. Oh yeah, I mean, I look at you when you said an idea. When he got an idea, you watch him. Go back to there whenever you got a chance. Watch some videos of Robin Williams when he starts to improv, and look at his eyes. Don't look at anything else. That just, I know it sounds very creepy for me being like stare into another man's eyes online, <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> But look into his eyes because when he gets an idea, his eyes, they kind of open a little bit wider and they like get this glow of a kid who like comes out, he opens the door and sees a bike on Christmas morning and it's like, oh shit, dad, look at this. Like he gets so 
excited. And that's what Robin Williams was like when he got an idea, when he heard a word and it clicked into his head. Um, and that's kind of what I do with musical improv. It's kind of, I feel like it's kind of that same way. When I hear a word, it clicks in my head and I probably build the entire song before I even get to it in my head. It's just coming to me in that moment. That's such an awesome ability. Just to see. Yeah, that's what happens when you grow up special ed. <laughs> yeah, we grew up middle of Montana. We had three channels. And if we would get four, if there was a, a storm over Great Falls, it would keep that fourth channel in. So we grew up outside. We grew up riding a four-wheeler, you know, chasing down snakes or them chasing us down, playing with the dogs. We were always outside. And when we moved to Washington State, it was, you know, we, we had more TVs, but we were still outside. We were too busy doing other stuff other than watching TV. But we did grow up with the, the TGIF days, Family Matters and, you know, you know, whatever the other shows were, Full House. And that's where, you know, a lot of our funny moments had come from was from watching shows like that. And that's kind of how we grew up. You say you got a fourth channel when a storm was over your house? When it was in Great Falls, because that's where the the main city was where our, because we lived out in the middle of wheat fields. So we would get a fourth channel if there was a storm over that city. That's hilarious. That's great. Because we had the antenna. We had one of those big antennas with the point. That's what we had. That's how we got TV. (laughs) You and your siblings are just getting excited on stormy weather days. Like, yes, man. It's not just soap opera. The news today. Today. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know who said, you know, if the president's on, your night screwed. I I can't remember who said that. But that was legit true. Because if he was on, that was three of those four stations. And you... Just turn it off. We're going to go play. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm I'm not that old. But even when I was a kid, I just remember when you didn't have all of those cables. Like, I still, when I was, I'm only 30, but still when I was 10 years old, we still had the cable books. You know, we had the cable guys that you got every week that had all the shows and the have some kind of cartoons on the back every now and then. I just remember, like, you flip through shows and multiple of those shows, which is the same shows, <laughs> just on different channels. Well, I couldn't picture, like, being in Montana three days. Yeah, I picked, like, <laughs> those three channels, right? The news station or, you know, like you said, the president talking, probably just all political on every channel that you get. Yep. Nope. And at that age, we weren't interested. I mean, we were we were just kids, so it was, all right, we're going to go either play Lincoln Logs or go outside and play, one of the two. So that was that was us growing up outside and, you know, just trying to live our best life. What part of Montana? Um, Haver, uh, North Central. We, uh, me and Beast performed there a year ago at a brewery that, up there it was actually a weird gig because when we performed at the brewery when we performed there uh we stayed at an airbnb and this airbnb was like in in this like older couple's basement and they were really nice they made us cookies and uh coffee in the morning they had all these and then so the next time we went to go stay in haver i think this part was in haver we reached back out to them like hey uh are you guys still doing Airbnb? We need another place to stay. And she's like, yeah, you guys can come stay here. And it was a weird vibe. Like, I don't know what it was like. It's, you know, like when the pandemic hit, everything was happy one day and the next day it was all quiet. Like oh, oh, yeah. Something. That's what it was like. Something bad happened. Like after the show, our first time, they came up and talked to us and was like reading us and doing that. Stuff. And then after the second show, the second time we came by, they didn't even come by and say hi. They, I think they like left in the middle of the set, and you know, I we were like, hey, uh, oh, they didn't invite us to like come up like they did the first time. I was like, what the hell happened? Like when we got there, the day we got there, we're like something bad happened. There's a weird, a weird vibe going on. It was very interesting, very awkward. 
Yeah, and we had to stay in this house. And now, so now we're just sleeping under the roof. You know, like, should we be here? Like, where? <laughs> but this is not how it felt last time. <laughs> yeah, no, my that's both sides of my family. They're from there, and then we moved away when I was I don't know ten or so to to Washington State. And it was definitely different. Uh, it was, you know, out, out over there, you're in the middle of wheat fields and farmland. And, you know, you come over this way, yes, there's still wheat fields and farmland, but there's trees, there's rivers, there's, you know, a little bit more to, little bit more to do and look at. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like Montana's really great if you like, uh, you know, hiking there. I mean, there's a lot of great hiking. There's a lot of great mountains. There's a lot of, you know, water areas and, you know, a bunch of that kind of stuff. But I, I don't feel like it's good if you want to, you know, actually meet the lady you're going to be with. I feel like you know, when you're in Montana, you don't really choose. You just like, you just, you just go, okay, well, I guess, you know, this is my choice of men. This is my choice of girls. I guess this is the one I'll be with. You know what I mean? You don't get a, a very big variety of. Yeah. You know, even with friends, like your friends that you grow, they're your friends because you're in Montana. Like how many friend groups are you going to have in a school of 200 people? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, listen, but listen it, like, to this. You go to folk the school I went to school in, we only had 60 people from kindergarten to I think it's sixth grade in the entire building. So in our class, we had like seven. So you go to class that's size. That's, that was it. <laughs> were the rooms at least down here? Or were you guys still in normal size we had classrooms? Some, they were in normal classrooms, so they were big. But some of the grades, you know, if it's a math class, you had first and second were together. Third and fourth were together. So you to just to fill the room, you had combined classes even at that, just to have more people in a class than two. Yeah, that would be hard because I mean, schools right now are in Spokane, in Washington, are doing the AB classes where they split them in half, and some are home some day, some are in school, and they don't have. To, and I had to go teach workshops there last month, and it felt if I was in Spokane actually last month, and it felt so awkward teaching to only seven kids. But I guess in that part of Montana, they would just be used to it. That's what you kind of yeah, grow up on. My daughter's yeah, class man, now, she's you know, she's in that A-B. So when her class has 34 kids normally, and now there's 15, there's a lot of room in there. And she's like, it's so weird just being in this room with only half the class because you know that the other half is showing up tomorrow. And I, she has some of her friends are in that other class. And she's like, I know that they're going to be here, but I can't be here. And it's, it's crazy for the kids today, for sure. Yeah. I couldn't imagine growing up in that age. I mean, at the high school, it was so weird because they were all in their individual chairs. They didn't even have tables. They just had chairs. Like it looked like a bad movie scene. Like you went in there, it looked like a, if the government, you know, have you, what is that? There's a, ah, there's a book. Is a, I was even in the play. There's also a play of it where, like, there's the eye and the government watching them all the time. And oh, man, it's sad. I can't remember it. Yeah. Well, the, the main thing is like when I walked into the high school. What? I was gonna say I, I I know what you're talking about, and I can't think of what the name of it is either. Yeah, man. I just that's how it felt like when I went to the school. Like all the kids were like in these rows of chairs with their lunch tray on their lap it from their lap I was like wow this is a this is a weird it's a like a scary look act kind of you know and I don't we, we didn't have to do that I mean the worst thing I had happen in high school was our at, at our prom our speaker flew out 15 minutes into the dance so it was just a bunch of men around vegetable trays eating vegetables angrily because they weren't going to get laid at all. Like that was my first real look into adult life. Like my first adult life experience of an adulthood was me around a vegetable tray going, oh, this geez. is bullshit. I spent 200 bucks. <laughs> like, this like is not that, what I that expected. Was, that was my, yeah. And then after spending all that money, they go, Hey guys, we're sorry. You know, we want to give you a gift for your graduation to make up for prom being horrible. Here's a coffee cup that says 2019. 
have at least gotten like a beer sign that said 2019 because after this experience, 2009, because after this experience, I'm just going to become an alcoholic. <laughs> it's, uh, it, was, uh, it was great. great. I can't believe I said 2009. This is a mid-roll read. Crave Eats, Drinks, and Nightlife, downtown Spokane. They've updated some items on the menu. Come check out the all-new B-L-A-T, bacon, lettuce, fried avocado, and tomato. This comes with a side of fries or tots. Also, dive into the crispy fried buffalo cauliflower. Yes, I did say cauliflower, and yes, they are amazing. Crave Eats, downtown Spokane. You uh, you brought up that you and your wife are, are teaching improv. How do you go about teaching improv? What do you what do you what's the you know first couple things that you're trying to teach a person that wants to get into comedy or get into sketch theater or anything like that? So uh, we teach improv in a few different ways. One of the ways, obviously, like teaching people improv because they want to be improvisers or a performer, or a comedian, and then the other way is we as a skill to help build motivation and confidence in people and to teach them how to work together. So we use it a lot in businesses to help coworkers learn how to work together. And we use it in schools to teach the kids how to be, you know, more confident and accepting of their self. So the first way was just doing it, you know, as fun for comedy and to learn how to perform, you kind of just teach the main skills. Like in improv, the thing that we always say is yes and to always accept an offer. If you and I are like doing an improv thing and somebody says Montana and you come out on stage and you go, hey, man, it's stormy outside. We're going to get that fourth TV station today. If I go, no, we don't own a TV. What I That scene goes nowhere. That I just dove it into the ground. It's not going to be funny, but if I go, yeah, man, what do you think it's going to be? Do you think it's going to be the Golden Girls? I love watching the Golden Girls. We only get it twice a year when it storms. We can keep going on with that and building off that offer. So we do exercises and we, you know, we do exercises and games to help people build those skills for performing. And those skills eventually, like you take an improv class, they can help with stand up because if you ever have to do crowd work it can just teach you how to think on the spot and use the skills of accepting offers. Um, and then when we use improv to teach in schools and with businesses, it's kind of the same way, but we direct it and use different, you know, tactics. Like if I'm teaching your kids how to build confidence and I'm teaching them how to use improv as a skill, we're gonna teach them more how to use it in life. We're going to teach them, well, if your friend says this, how can we react? If you listen to your friend and then give an offer, how can that help you? Because if a chair is broken, say a chair is broken, and your friend's trying to tell you how we can fix it, and you just rail his offer and you're not listening, what's going to take longer to fix the problem? But if you listen and then give your idea, you can work together on the subject. So, you know, there's multiple ways to use improv in different scenarios and in different situations. I truly believe it's a skill. Um, my business launches next month. It's called MG Teams, Motivating Great Teams. And I believe improv is a skill that can help us all out to day-to-day life. My plan is to get it in elementary school, middle school, and high school. So kids can learn how to play throughout life. So by the time they graduate and become adults, they don't worry. They're not afraid to be silly. They're not afraid to be goofy. They're just like, I see me and who I want to be. And if you, you said before that when you, when you teach, you're, you're trying to instill confidence into these students. I think kids today don't have that confidence that we had when we grew up. I think there's so much, you know, social media doesn't help. So that, that peer pressure, the social media pressure, am I going to get likes for this? They're so worried about the failure part that they lose confidence in anything they do. They don't want to try something new. So having something like this that can build their confidence and build their self-esteem up, what a, what a great way to, to get into a child's psyche. 
Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at even with COVID and everything happening right now, like, this was a, a huge hit on their personality. Like, in high school, middle school, and elementary school, your brain is it, still growing. You're still trying to become who you are. And now you're even more worried. You're already trying to learn how to be you. And now you have the stress of life. High school, middle school, and elementary school is not where you should be stressed out about life. That's no. not where you should be worrying about life. That's where you should be worrying about the growth of yourself. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, you you know it. You how, how old are your kids? Uh, my oldest is fifteen. I got a twelve year old and an eleven year old two days ago. And yeah, what you, you just you said, said you got eleven. Lose, yeah, I got eleven year old. He turned eleven two days ago. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking of it like I got an eleven year old two days ago. Man, I just I, you know I just went out and found this eleven year old. I said you're mine now. Pick gotta him up, catch them all. Pick them up I, at the Kmart. Picked him up at the Kmart. <laughs> he said, I can't find my mom. I can't find my dad. You're like, I'll be your papa. I'll be it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll be it. And then now you have a new 11-year-old two days ago. And yeah. That's, so how, that's how families grow. That's how the kid on a Yeah, that's how families grow. <laughs> These families that have 10 kids that, you know, people call them Mormon. We just say they, they went to Kmart too they many were, times. They were lost. <laughs> But, they were but yeah, they were the, what you said, they, you know, they weren't able to, they had a full year of staying at home. They had to go through their classes over a damn computer screen, not having that interaction, not having the interaction with their friends. And then our schools here, um, they at least opened up the Minecraft so that they could play their friends, you know, from, from their classes and play each other on this Minecraft. So it opened that up to them and then they were able to video chat with each other. Uh, that came a little bit later into the year, but you know now they're back into school, which is great. But I, you know, again, just just trying to put a pause on life of of being socially interactive and not and, and seeing friends every day to not. I just I couldn't even imagine what what mentally what they went through. Well, in some of these schools, they can't force their kids to turn on their microphones or their camera so uh, i've gone to a few teachers that said you're they're not actually allowed to force their kids to participate so if they don't want to participate or do anything they still have to pass them and give them a good grade uh that they can't tell them for not participating like normal day-to-day school and they're trying to hold a bunch of that back and you know i kind of get it but then also at the same time i'm like kids i mean if you if you just went in and you just motivate them to say hey you know don't look at this as a negativity. Let's find out how we can do this together. Let's, let's work because what are you supposed to do? Not let the kids do anything. And then by the time they graduate, say COVID did last another four years. These kids who end up going through high school experiencing this, now they're just going to graduate high school with thinking their entire life, you know, it's okay to not just do anything that it's okay. You know, <laughs> so that's the hard part where I was at. I was like, okay, well, what if this does go longer? I mean, we have to tell them, like, hey, you still got to do the work. Like, that's part of life. Just because the world around you is stopping, it can't stop. You got to go. You got to, like I told you with improv, you got to say, yes, bad things are happening. Yes, this sucks. And how am I going to handle it? Because that's where the improv comes from. With the yes and, you say yes. You accept what's happening. You say you know what's happening. And then the and part is giving your offer, saying, and this is how we're going to fix it. Here's how we're going to handle it. Here's how we're going to respond to it. What what you just said right there, I, in my notes, I have colleges. And and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go off of what you just said with, with kind of the adapting and, and making changes. It seems like, colleges or college kids and down to high schoolers everybody's a lot more sensitive have you noticed that in your comedy or your 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 peers comedy when they do different gigs they've got to change the way they do it for the crowd or is it when you do colleges do you have to kind of go with that mindset of of they might find this funny i might get booed off the stage or do you make changes walking into the building um, I make some changes. I make sure not to curse if I'm at a college, but 
my comedy has also, I mean, there's only one, a couple jokes I have that get kind of not family friendly. Like I have one that's like me and my wife are two different types of things. She's really into sex. I'm really into food. One time she's like, hey, babe, what's your favorite position? And I go, anything that gets you off the quickest because we have dino nuggets in the oven. Like there's a few jokes that, yeah, <laughs> it's so dumb. I was, I was drunk one night when I wrote that. Um, and uh, so there's there's a few there's a few jokes I have where you know I say sex in it or um one one joke that I have I use the R word because I'm talking about being in high school I, and it's a true story I asked this girl out on a date and her response to me was aren't you retarded and I was like holy crap I have to think about this nobody's ever just straight up asked me that question especially after asking them on a date. And so I'm like, I, I could have said no, but then she might think I'm a liar. I could say, yeah, she's going to bless me because she feels sorry for me. And I go, and then I didn't matter what I say because she already knew the answer because the last five minutes I was staring off in his face wondering what I was going to say to her. So I was like, sort of, will you still come to my pizza party? And it's like this whole dumb joke that wraps into my original pizza. I tell a joke about doing pizza parties all the time in special ed, but I, I don't switch it too much. Like, I don't say the R word. I just say she asked me if I was in special ed. And other than that, I don't write dirty. I think it's, I think it's unclever, honestly. I think most jokes should be personal about yourself. If you have a joke that's dirty because it's about your life, I think that's okay. But you still do. You're right. There are sensitive people. I've done clubs where somebody gets offended by one of my jokes about my wife and I. And I just remind them, like, hey, shut up. This is my life. Like, I can't change what happened in my life. Like, I just did a show at a winery not too long ago, and I, I yelled at a lady. I, I asked her nicely to be quiet three times. And by the last time, I was like, shut the ass up. And everybody started cheering for me. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, you're not the only one who paid. And And how do they know that your wife didn't help you write the joke? I mean... Yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I, 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 I don't even write bad jokes about her. Like, there's nothing I've written bad about her. You just get people who go to get offended. Like, there's people who go out and you'll say something that's not even offensive, and they find a way to get offended. I only got one a joke that people could take offensive. Most of my jokes, there's no reason they can't take it offensive. How do you go about writing your jokes today? I'm sure you know it's you you brought up that it's uh you bring it right you know, from your personal experiences so you've got the idea or the premise and then how do you go about making it funny making it relatable to everybody else man that's that's hard is uh I feel like no matter what we all have ways we can relate to each other but I I throw away about 90 Eight percent of everything I write. So I have a total of like four or five journals that are completely full of just stuff I wrote, not even jokes. I just write. And uh, when something hits me, I'll turn it into a joke. But half of the time, I don't try. I don't. I just write stuff to get it out of my head, and I write it in a joke format. And never use it, or I use it once and then never use it again. Um, but I used to wake up at six in the morning, sometimes it's five in the morning, and just write for three hours. I would sit down five days a week, sometimes even six days a week. I would just write three or four hours. Um, Mike Rubigo, he talks about something like that, too. He goes, I make a meeting. He goes, he'll write on a sticky note saying, Mike, tomorrow at 7 a.m., you have a meeting with your brain. And then he'll write that. And so I kind of do that kind of situation where I just sit there and I, I just write. And... Then I, after I write an entire joke, an entire premise that I think is funny with the punchline, I take out all of the words that don't that that aren't needed. I'll look through it and say, okay, how can I shorten this? This isn't needed. That isn't needed. This isn't needed. I'll try that bit on stage. If it gets a few chuckles or a laugh, I'll try it again and reword it. A lot of it is just literally structuring and keep on writing a bit until that bit is your final product you know what i mean yeah 
And then, and then to make it funny, honestly, you never know what's going to be funny until you say it on stage. How do you, how do you, and I, I kind of talked to Deese about this too on his podcast. How do you stay away from the, the idea of joke stealing? Um, that was, you know, that was a big controversy here a while ago about some one comedian was stealing from another comedian, but you've, you've got to stumble upon somebody else's work. How do you stay, how do you stay away from that personally from, from other comedians? I, I write about my life. I mean, I, and I not just write about my life where it's like, this is my wife. This is that. It's like real, real personal. I get deep in my personal experiences and you know a comic might have lived that other experience too but i like for example i tell a joke in my set about how me and my wife were in a four feet prop plane and this is like what this is what exactly happened we were in a four feet prop plane and the back luggage door came open and my wife was like you need to grab my bags and i was like oh i can't reach them and she turned around and unbuckled my seatbelt. it was like you need to grab them so they don't fall out and kill somebody so I talk, I talk about this on stage and that was like a real life experience that happened between me and my wife. And, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know if, if there's a comic out there who did the exact same thing, like their wife unbuckled their seatbelt in a four seat prop plane with the back luggage door open. To me, that's crazy. That that ha- if that happened to another comedian, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> or anybody I, else, I, I mean, before, outside of comedy. Yeah, even anybody. Before I used to write jokes, I I wrote a joke that I stopped because it actually I saw it as an online meme, and then I went back and I researched when did this come out, and I said, okay, well, this came out before I wrote it this meme did i found it and i researched it back but the joke was um what was it? oh yeah it goes every now and then i'll be sitting in my bedroom looking up at the stars in the sky wondering where the hell did my roof go so it was like a weird like one quick one-liner and after writing that joke i was like oh, man there has to be something about this i used to tell these very like mitch hedgeberg jokes and I used to have another one uh, that I don't tell anymore because I'm pretty sure it's already a joke. But, you know, it was like my brother ruined my tea party the other day when he invited all the other letters over. Like, it's a really dumb, it's like a very kid joke right there. <laughs> but I'm like, ah, oh, man, you know, it's not about me. It's not about my life. And you could easily go and write that tomorrow. Tomorrow you could have, you know, you could write that same joke because it's not about us. We're just trying to write about the things around us. Do you try to stay away from political stuff? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I try to, I try to write a little bit about, um, Trump blacks. I, I started writing about that, but I, I, about, I thought it was funny. The idea that Trump flags were still up. I, I made a joke about that. And I said, I, I said, it doesn't piss me off that people are voting for Trump. It just pisses me off because it reminds me of people who keep their uh, Christmas decorations up for way too long. Um, like they just—they're—they're they're just keeping it up until the next season. That's all they're doing. That's, <laughs> they're just that's hoping exactly right. that for the next season. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I keep away from political views because honestly, like I'll admit, like I'm not a Trump fan, but. Also, I respect people who are. I think that's what's wrong with our world today is, you go, well, screw you, you voted for Biden, screw you, you voted for Trump. And it's like, well, and that, I mean, it's America, so you should be able to like who you want to like, even if you think the other person's 100% wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. This This country was based, was founded upon the idea of having everybody else's opinions reflect on on who our leadership is going to be but what what you just brought up about the flags i said the same damn thing today because i'm in north idaho going north going head you know heading north to work and 
sure enough, here comes a pickup with the Trump flag on the back. Here comes a little Subaru with three different flags. I don't know, duct tape to the damn uh, ski rack going down the road. And I'm like, there's no election coming up, people. We can take the flags down now. Yeah, and I guess that's what makes me so angry about it. It's like, like I said before, I, I, I'm not afraid to say my political views. Like, I'm not a Trump guy. I don't like the guy. I think, like, for, for a president, he said some like, and don't get me wrong, Biden has too, but, like, he tweeted something about, like, hey, Korea, you think you have a big red button? Well, I've got a bigger red button on my desk, and it's 10 times bigger than yours. I'm like, well, uh, that's not something a president should tweet out. Like, that's, like we're not we're not uh, measuring ourselves right now. That's uh, that's not what we're doing. But I think the only thing that makes me angry is if anybody worships any type of man, like, just in general. Like if there was a bunch of people with Biden flags, you know, Bush flags, all of that, just decorating their houses, wearing the T-shirts, wearing the hats all the time. That's where I go. Oh, come. Come on, man! Like, don't like. It's yeah. okay to support. I think supporting is good, but at the same time, I'm like, can't. It just, it just looks. It looks very culty to have that. Well, your your, I, your like, president shouldn't be a celebrity. Ronald Reagan came. He was a yeah. very accomplished actor. When he became president, there was no following. There were no T-shirts. There were no. Um, you know, rallies about, Hey, this guy's so great when he hasn't done anything, you know, and I, I voted for Trump this last time cause I did not want Biden in, but I don't hold him in that celebrity regard. I liked him on the apprentice. And when I do things, um, I kind of would revert back. Like if I'm writing a commercial, if I'm trying to set up scheduling, if I'm trying to coordinate stuff, I kind of put myself in that apprentice role. And, you know, hey, what would what would Trump say if I'm sitting there at the table? What did I forget? No, you're no, you're fired. So that's kind of how I how I go about, you know, my 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 business. But I don't. Yeah, shouldn't hold your president as a celebrity. And it kind of started a little bit with Obama, but it got blown up with Trump. And once that happens, you kind of now you really um, alienate the other half of the country. Yeah, and that's the whole thing that was for me is like, you know, even, like, I, even though I don't like to with all the stuff, it's just like, I, I just, that's the one thing that really frustrated me where I was just like, ugh, like, it's it, 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 it's gross. Even like when it started with Obama, like you said, it started with Obama a little bit and then it blew up in Trump. Even when people did it for Obama, I was like, okay, guys, this is, uh, it's like somebody had a shirt that said God Obama and it had like the question mark with the God Milk shirt. That's thought it was kind of clever, but. At the same time, I was like, guys, it's a great support that man. Do that. Do that. Support whoever that is. But when it becomes too much, it's just, it just it kind of grosses me out. And it, it sucks because, like I said, even if you and I have completely different views, it sucks when political people do that because they make their side also look bad. You know what I mean? Like, very, very I don't, so. I don't. I don't hate Trump because of all of that stuff. There's a lot why I, I don't like him, but also it sucks because if like you vote for Trump, like that's who you vote for. The other people who are doing that, I feel like are kind of screwing it up for you because they're the people who are annoying other people going, that's gross. That's disgusting. Like you're just, it's like people who start pushing Jesus and stuff down people's throats. Like, well, you think that's really going to make them want to, to believe? what's going on it's just making them go yeah this doesn't feel this doesn't feel good yeah (laughs) no exactly exactly i don't want to get i don't want to get too deep into politics but uh even even obama you know president obama he i didn't there was a lot of things that i didn't agree with him politically but i'd still go have a beer with the guy i'd talk chicago bulls basketball i'd I'd talk chicago white Sox baseball talk the brackets because he is a sports guy you know he's got a lot of stuff that that um, other guys can relate to, you know, people, communities, you know, whatever his backstory was, it is what it is now, but it, that that's history. But the guy now, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's relatable that, that he brought out from the community to himself and then, and then pass it on. Politics is a pendulum. 
Yeah. And once it gets to the top, it's going to come back to the other top until it finally settles somewhere in the middle again. Let's hope that that, that pendulum is, has reached the top of the other side and we can get somewhere in the middle again where both sides can work together. We can actually talk without without pointing fingers and fighting and blah, blah, blah. It, the country is 50-50 with the extremes on both sides. Let's find common ground somewhere and let's find somebody that can lead the country from the middle. Yeah, that's why I, I agree 100% on that because that's where it needs to be. The only thing I disagree with you on is I don't think I could hang out with Obama. I just I listen to him talk and I just like, so uh, you uh, you want to listen to uh, sports? <laughs> anytime, anytime I, I don't know why, I feel like between Biden, Trump, and Obama, I, I, I mean, Obama, when he spoke, he spoke with a lot of wisdom, don't get me wrong, but any, I can't like, it's kind of like watching baseball to me. I get very tired and bored watching Trump sweat and or Obama speak. I don't know why. <laughs> the only thing I've enjoyed Obama doing is when he like does a roast battle, but I feel like they're all three like very like slow paced talkers. I'm just like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> I know they're the president. They're not meant to entertain us, but at the same time, entertain me a little bit. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. No. You brought up roast battles. I love roast battles. I love having guys up on stage and they know that they're just going to have fire thrown their way. But then everybody else on stage is going to get some collateral damage on that. Have you ever been a part of a roast battle like that in, in any capacity? Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, what was it? I, 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 yeah, there, there's a few I've written. I can't remember all of the roast battle jokes I have written, but there was one where I was like, oh, you know, I've, I talked one time about how my friend, I'm always seeing him with different women, but you never see him with the same woman. And that's the, the reason why is because he has a big car trunk or something like that. <laughs> As if, uh, my my other favorite one I ever wrote, this is a screwed up one, I wrote a roast joke that said, my friend just released a book um, writing, which is great because now he had a lot of practice writing suicide notes. Um, I forgot, I've, I've written some harsh roast battle jokes, but they're all for, they're for fun, you know what I mean? Like yes. you can't, you can't take them too serious. I even wrote one for my, other friend, one of my favorite jokes I ever wrote, I said, he just got a divorce. So I wrote the joke about him getting skinnier. He also lost a lot of weight. So I said, wow, man, my friend lost so much weight that he lost the weight of his life. <laughs> and I just stopped it right there. So you just, you dive in to people and you don't go to, I, right now, if you're listening to this and you are somebody who gets offended by anything, don't go to a roast that don't ruin it. It's meant to be it's meant to be mean. It's meant to be harsh. It's meant to be as mean as you can. Talk about me being in special ed. Talk about how my wife doesn't love me and she's probably just really my handler. Mention those things. That's what's going to make the best material for a roast battle is getting as mean as you can. I love, uh, I think the the favorite one that I like is the Justin Bieber one. Because Shaq was on there, Kevin Hart was on there, uh-huh. Ludacris was on there, and I cannot remember which one it was. I, it might have been Bieber himself said, "Oh, and we got Shaq, we got Shaq here, and they brought his little kid, his little son too." And he was looking at Kevin Hart, and you know that's that's the easy <laughs> joke with Kevin Hart is his height. You know, incredible talent, funnier and shit, but. That when he's next to Shaq, it looks like that's his little son. It was it was on point, and I I think it was Justin that said it, but whoever said it, it was it was on cue. It was it was hilarious. Yeah, it looks like a little my wife. Sorry, my wife is walking by with the dog. There's a, they both like she waves by at me, and then the dog also lifted up its paw like it's waving goodbye <laughs> to me also, but that's not what it was doing. But it looked like they were both living goodbye to me, and I was like, "Wow, that's the cutest thing I ever, I ever seen before." <laughs> so it's a, yeah, we don't, we don't mean her, don't we? We love animals. We don't, we don't want kids at all. Weirdly, I worked with kids all these years, but we don't, we don't ever want them. 
Dogs are easy to travel with, easier to travel with than kids. Yeah, it's kind of like that. And also like the fact that I worked with kids for so long and I, I enjoy working with kids. I enjoy she, her. She just doesn't care for kids that much. But for me, I enjoy working with kids. That's why I was telling you like that MG teams thing. We're going to do it for adults too and businesses as well. But I created that so I could go teach and help out kids around the United States because, you know, it's something I've been good at. Like people know me from being good at music and they know me from being good at comedy and stuff like that. But a lot of people don't know, like I'm, I'm really good at working with kids and I don't know why after high school I graduated and working with kids was my first job I was a one-on-one leader became a preschool teacher worked at a children's museum and I don't know what it is I could walk into a room of 40 screaming kids and get them all to settle down and sit down and listen at the same time um what do you have coming up in your schedule when's the next time you're going to be in Spokane so we're actually, I'm planning to be in Spokane coming up. So we're going to teach improv for the couple months in Georgia. And then we don't have the shows lined up yet, but I'll be releasing all of the shows on the website. But I'll be coming into Spokane at the end of August. Um, so anything else we'll you want to plug? If you want to start a party. <laughs> um no, just uh, go check out Improvised Gifts. Check out Michael Glatzmeyer. I have a comedy special actually coming out in August. So we don't have the exact date, but if you look at my website or my Facebook page, that's all going to be posted, post on there. And that's uh, michaelgladsmeyer.com. I'm actually sitting on it right now, just kind of going up and down it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to see you in show. Um, incredibly funny. And I know that you were just here and we had a, I had a, another scheduling thing on that date that you were here. I cannot remember the exact date, but uh, missed you. Definitely want to be there the next time you're in town. Yeah, that'd be great. I think it was actually, it was Easter. So yeah, I know you have kids too. So yeah. everybody I know who had kids were kind of like, Hey man, uh, I love you, but I can't leave my kids to go watch your comedy show. And, and Spokane is going to be opening up. They just announced, uh, you know, this call, the, the concerts, music concerts coming in. And like I said, but earlier, I, I hope that that middle of June, the state actually opens up and it doesn't get pushed back. So let, hopefully it stays on track. The state opens up. People can get out again, go see more comedy. Uh, next week I got, um, I got a, another guy coming on. Hopefully he can promote himself, get everybody to his shows, and let's open up and get back to normal. I, I, I agree. I think that'll be good. Um, Michael Gladsmeyer, thank you for coming on to the show. And uh, we got it. we're just a little over an hour here. So um, appreciate you coming on, making a little bit of time for me. Um, I'm going to post your website on the prologue, your Facebook on the prologue, and get people out there, get people onto your page and see where you're at. Oh, well, thank you very much. That I, I can't wait. You just said... Uh... Do you post the whole thing or do you edit through it and um, everything? Yeah, I'll edit the ends a little bit, but it'll be the show. I mean, I, I don't really have much to take out.